Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Good morning, Loma Linda. It is good to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, I'm Pastor Josh, and we are in part five of our message series entitled Fruitful, where we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit and what it means in our lives here today. Well, Pastor Miguel, he talked about uh, patience last week, and, and this week I get the privilege of talking about kindness. Well, as we start, um, I want to take a moment, I want to read you some statements. Statements about kindness, I want to see how, 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 you, how you relate if you resonate with any of these. So here we go. Kindness is hard. Kindness is hard when that person in the car behind you aggressively honks at you exactly the moment the light turns green. Kindness is hard when they forget to put a straw in your Taco Bell to-go bag. Okay, yep. Kindness is hard when your downstairs housemate all of a sudden gets inspired to write a hit song on his guitar at 3 a.m. in the morning. I want to apologize because I have been that person. Kindness is hard when the person running the song lyrics at church never presses the forward button fast enough. Not here, not at this church. Maybe another church. Not at this church, though. Kindness is hard when you're hungry because you skip breakfast and the pastor preaches too long. That won't be a problem today. (laughs) Kindness is hard when Alexa plays a different song than the one you asked her to play. Alexa, 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 stop, Alexa, stop. Kindness is hard when your Amazon package says delivered, but it's not actually delivered. It's, It's nowhere in sight. Kindness is hard when your coworker shows up to work coughing with a runny nose post-pandemic. Mm. <laughs> Kindness is hard when your spouse is a chronic snore. Not mine, not mine. Maybe yours, maybe yours. Kindness is hard whenever you drive in California. I'm learning that one myself. Kindness is hard when you're not Canadian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to put that one in there. (laughs) Well, this journey uh, of kindness, I think the first place that we actually need to start is we have to ask ourselves the question, why kindness? Why kindness? You know, I I talked to my wife this week and I said, kindness, it seems such an elementary thought. You know, babe, what do you you want me to say? You know, be kind. It's the kind of thing that we tell our kids as they're, they're walking out the door to school. We say, hey, Jimmy, make sure to be kind. But I think that kindness is important today, and I think that it's important that we talk about it here at church because I believe that the world that we live in is a world that we could label as anti-kind. I believe the world that we live in is a world that is divisive, it polarizes people, it hides behind a screen. It's the kind of world that values stepping on one another to get to where we want to go. And in this world that we live in, you could kind of think that being kind 
is countercultural. Being kind is countercultural, and I think that it's interesting because uh, um, it goes beyond just the world that we live in, and oftentimes this anti-kindness culture can find its very way into our own church. I think that's true sometimes. Maybe someone's turned to you and said, hey, sometimes church is the meanest place you can be. And I think there might be some truth to that in the sense that maybe it's that teenage boy who grew up to never step foot in church because he was judged by what he wore. Maybe it's that young mother who who had a kid at the age of 17 and, and, and the heartache of the church not coming around to support her. Kindness is countercultural. The thing is, is that Jesus knew that, that kindness was countercultural. He knew that his people needed to be different. He knew that his people needed to be unique. So all throughout Scripture, God calls his people to be a people of kindness. In Colossians 3.12, it says this. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen and holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is kind and good for each other and for everyone else. You see, I, I truly believe that kindness is important. In his book, The Power of Kindness, uh, Piero Fricini, he says this, he says, I believe that if we stop to think, it is clear that our very survival even today depends upon the acts of kindness of so many people. Right from the moment of our birth, we are under the care and kindness of our parents. Later in life, when facing the surroundings of disease and old age, we are again dependent on the kindness of others. If at the beginning and end of our lives we depend upon others' kindness, why then in the middle, when we have the opportunity, should we not act kindly towards others? I want to ask you another question here this morning, and and don't, don't answer that. Don't answer this out loud. But do you consider yourself to be a kind person? It'd be interesting to do an experiment, to to ask your family, your friends, your kids, your neighbors, the people you drive down the road with, if if they considered kindness to be one of your strongest qualities. It'd be be an interesting experiment to do. It'd be interesting to see what they would actually say. Well, I I, I truly pray that, uh, that people would think that, hey, as they see me, that, hey, Josh, kindness is one of his strongest qualities. I hope and pray that people, as they think of you, that they would say, hey, yeah, you know what? Kindness is one of their strongest qualities. I hope and pray that as people think of this church, that they would say the exact same thing, that Loma Linda University Church is one of the kindest churches in this city, that the people that go to that church, man, they are the kindest people in this community. Well, the thing is, is that kindness is it's difficult. For me, it's in the morning. I'm not a morning person. When I get up, there's about a two, two to three hour uh, space where you probably shouldn't talk to me. I probably shouldn't talk to you because I don't know if very nice things will come out of my mouth. But it's difficult to be kind, and I think, it's, I think there's a couple things that cause us to pass by opportunities of kindness. I think the first thing is that oftentimes we feel incompetent. You know, when I don't know how to do a thing, I tend to avoid that thing. If the action of kindness requires a skill that you don't have, you tend to avoid that situation. For instance, if if you don't feel that you're a very empathetic person, then you're probably going to avoid situations that require you to be empathetic. The second thing is, oftentimes we feel insecure. 
You know, when we're afraid of a thing, then oftentimes we avoid that thing. You're showing compassion. It leaves us vulnerable to feelings of feeling judged, feeling embarrassed, feeling dismissed, and even feeling awkward. Maybe you've been in that instance yourself where, where you're, you're, you're scared that what if I freeze up when I have to talk to that person who just lost their father of cancer? Well, the third thing is oftentimes I, I believe that we feel inconvenienced. If I don't feel like doing a thing, sometimes I avoid that thing. You know, in this world, we, we struggle with emotions such as uh, being hungry, being busy, being overworked, anything that causes us to overlook an act of kindness. You know, it's, simply, it's just simply too hard. Well, it's interesting because these three words, they, they start with the letter I. Maybe I am my biggest obstacle to being kind. There's a story that's told of the London publications of Times, and uh, they used to have a section where you could write writing in a response. They'd, they'd ask a question, and you could write in a response, and they would showcase it. Well, one week, the, the question was, what is wrong with the world? And I'm sure if you were asked that question, you'd be, you'd be able to write a 10-page essay on all the things that are wrong with this world. But one guy by the name of G.K. Chesterton, he, he had a bit of a different response. Uh, he profoundly but yet succinctly responded to the question, what is wrong with this world, by simply saying, I am. Maybe the biggest obstacle for us in being a people of kindness is ourselves. You know, when it comes to being a good person, I think the ultimate example of kindness can be found in Scripture uh, through Jesus. I think that the greatest teaching of kindness can be found in the book of Luke. And uh, you might have heard it during Scripture reading. And maybe you're here and you've heard that story a thousand times, a million times. Maybe you're here, you're new to church, and you have never heard this story before. Well, it's interesting because most times people uh, interpret this story as simply by meaning, hey, you know what? Be nice to your neighbor. Uh, compliment them when they, when they come into church and uh, pull over to the road when you see someone with a flat tire. But I believe that this story, it goes on. It goes deeper into the principles of what it means to actually live a life of countercultural kindness. So if you have your Bibles with me, you can open it up to Luke 10, 25 to 37. It says this. On one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to internal, <clears throat> inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. Well, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you have. Which of these three do you think was a, good, uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's interesting here because 
Jesus tells this, this story in response to the man's question. He tells a story of, of Jews and Samaritans. Now, you got to know that Jews hated Samaritans. They despised each other. They were racist to each other. They hated the very thought of each other's existence. It's a very interesting set of characters that Jesus uses, right? But then he uses two other characters. He uses these two other religious guys. And he uses them in the role that these guys are actually the ones that don't help the Samaritan. One of them walks by, and, and the other one is actually worse. He, he walks by and actually looks at the guy, goes up and looks at him, and then doesn't do anything. That's interesting here, because I think that, that, that Jesus is trying to make a point. I think he's trying to make a point that being religious doesn't make you kind. Being like Christ makes you kind. There's a story of when I first started pastoring in Canada, uh, the first couple years of pastoring, and one day I was on my way to church. I was driving. It was a, it was a Sabbath. It was, I was in a good mood, just simply thinking about what I was going to preach that morning. And I pulled up to an intersection, and I, I was getting ready to turn left. And all of a sudden, I hear this aggressive honking behind me. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I can visibly see this guy in the car behind me. He's angry. He's upset. I've done something that has upset him. He's just raging against me. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, what is going on? Well, anyway, he pulls up beside me in his car, and I look over, and now he's screaming, he's yelling, he's telling me to roll down my window. It's an old car, so I roll down my window. And as I look, I look a little bit closer. And to my surprise, I realize this, this guy is my church member. <laughs> and not only is he my church member, he's my deacon. And he's yelling at me, screaming at me, and, I, and, and I'm in the situation. I've never been in this situation before. I don't know what to do. So I, I'm, like, kind of confused. I roll down the window, and as I'm rolling down the window, he gets a better look at who I am, and he recognizes me. And I will tell you that sheer terror comes over his face. He looked like he was going to be sick, and, and it was funny because he just simply looked at me and went, oh, Pastor, Pastor, I am so, so sorry. Pastor, I'm so, so sorry. And I didn't know what to say, so I just looked at him and went, and then we both drove off to church. <laughs> I want to tell you this morning that being religious does not make you kind. Being like Christ makes you kind. I think that oftentimes we think that to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, we simply come to church once a week. We know the doctrines, we know our beliefs, we know the right scriptures. But I want to say to you that being transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ requires that we abide in him, to take on his heart, to take on his mind, to be like him. Scripture says that Christ is the, 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 the vine and we are the branches. And when we abide in him, we will bear good fruit. Being religious does not make you kind. Being like Christ makes you kind. The story goes on, and, and we see this much-hated Samaritan man. He comes down the road, and, and this guy, in the midst of his travels, his busyness, on this dangerous road, he comes across this grisly scene, and without hesitation, he takes pity on this beaten-up traveler, and he stops. Because kindness stops. Curiosity stares, but kindness stops. Maybe for you, you've been in that situation. I think some of us are guilty of this, where we're driving down the highway and, and traffic starts to pile up. And I'm learning that that's a very frustrating thing in California. Uh, traffic starts to pile up and uh, it starts to go a little bit slower and slower. And eventually it kind of comes to a standstill and you're getting frustrated. But then you realize there's an accident just up ahead. 
But then even further, you realize, okay, well, the accident, it's not on the road. It's on the side of the road. So why are all these people staring? Why are all they looking? We should be going ahead. And you start to judge these people. And you start to say, hey, how can you be so low just to stare at these people and look by? We should be going. You're keeping me from my appointment. But when it's your turn to go by the accident, this is you. (laughs) Curiosity stares, but kindness stops. I think that Jesus lived out this the best in his ministry. Jesus' ministry was constantly filled with interruptions, all the way to the point that, that people began to call the ministry of, of Jesus as the theology of interruptions, whether it was Jesus being interrupted by the little kids who just wanted to come sit on his lap. He stopped to be with them. When he was interrupted by the, the ill woman that touched the hem of his garment, he stopped and showed compassion and kindness whether it was being interrupted by Jairus, and he stopped and he went and healed his daughter. Jesus stopped. Jesus showed kindness. I think that we can even take this thought even further. You know, kindness stops before it sends and responds to that nasty email. Maybe it waits 24 hours. Kindness stops in the heat of the argument with your spouse before those hurtful words come out of your mouth. Kindness is slow to anger. Well, how often do we find ourselves in the position that the priest and the Levite were in? We see a need, but rather than stopping, we observe on the sidelines. We pass by, we figure someone else can deal with it. It's not good time and it'll be awkward. What will other people think? Well, kindness stops. The Samaritan, he he picks this guy up, puts him on his donkey, bandages him up and and brings him uh, to a Best Western and pays the manager to take care of him and says that when he comes back, he'll pay whatever is left over. The Samaritan stopped and he did something about it because kindness takes action. The story is told of this Argentinian golfer. His name was Robert de Vincenzo. And he had just won a tournament, and uh, he, he, he went to collect his check. After collecting his check, he went out to the parking lot to leave. And um, at, in the parking lot, he was met by this young woman who congratulated on him on winning and then went on to begin to tell a story about her young baby who was sick and on the verge of death, and, and she could no longer uh, pay the medical bills. And touched by this story, Robert put her name on the check. He gave her the check and said, hey, I hope this helps. Well, the next day, uh, Robert gets a call from one of the golf officials and says, hey, Robert, I heard that you, you gave money to a young, a young lady in the parking lot. And he responded, yeah, yeah, I did. And he said, well, guess what? We know her. She's a phony, and she's a scam, and you've been scammed, my friend. And he said, so... Uh, so it's true that there's, there's, there's no dying baby? And he said, yeah, yeah, you, you got scammed. There's no dying baby. And, and Robert took a moment and he thought to himself, and he responded, well, that's the best thing I've heard all day. Kindness takes action because at its core, kindness is love in action. And I think that this is where it hits a bit close to home here. I believe that Jesus tells this story not, not to call us to nice compliments at church, to nice random acts of kindness. I believe that Jesus is telling this story to call us to a deeper, more radical, counterculture kind of kindness. You see, the expert of the law, he, he, he comes up to Jesus and he asks him this question. He says, who is my neighbor? 
Well, my neighbor is my wife. It's my kids. It's the people I go to church with here at Loma Linda, right? It's the, it's the people, people that I'm comfortable with. But Jesus sees right through this. He, he sees right through it, and he goes on to tell the story of this man, this Samaritan man, the hated Samaritan man, who ends up being the hero in the story. And then Jesus asks, well, who, who do you think was the good neighbor? And the expert of the law, he replies, well, the one who had mercy. It's interesting here because the expert in the law hated the Samaritan man so much that he could not even say his name. He despised his existence so much that the word Samaritan could not even roll off his mouth. I believe that Jesus is calling us to a radical kindness. He's calling us to a kindness that shows love and kindness to those that we cannot even say their name. Maybe for you, it's showing kindness to that person that, that identifies differently than you. Maybe for you, it's, it's showing kindness to that person that you cannot stand that's sitting across the pew from you. I believe that God is calling this church to be a church of countercultural radical kindness. That when that teenage girl has that baby at the age of 17, we can surround her with love and compassion. I believe that this, God is calling this church to be a church of countercultural kindness where we love and show kindness to those who are marginalized, where we love and show kindness to those who we can't even say their name. Kindness takes action. Well, the story ends. Jesus closes with these words. He says, go and do likewise. And honestly, I, I would love to just end the sermon right there. I think that's a pastor's dream to have words like that. It's the perfect call to action. Go and do likewise. But I know you, you have to have a, a nice conclusion. So here we go. Kindness. It sounds simple. It often isn't. Oftentimes we are the ones that get in the way. But remember, kindness comes from being like Christ. By abiding in him, by taking on his heart, his mind, by being with him. I want to encourage you to take time today to be aware of the humanity around you, be aware of the needs around you, be aware of the person that's sitting next to you. Maybe you're here and you've had an act of kindness on your heart and your mind for the past couple days, for the past couple weeks, for the past couple months, but you've been hesitating because it, it's just too inconvenient. I pray that you would act on that act of kindness today. Do not hesitate. Go and do likewise. So kindness, as we talked about before, and the simplicity of it, it's the thing that, hey, we tell our kids when they go out the door, hey, remember to be kind. But today I want to remind you as you head out these doors, as you move out into the world, I want to give you that reminder as well. Remember to be kind. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.